Thank you for listening to this parenting series and the Training Up Children podcast. Pastor and Mrs. Dingus from the People's Baptist Church will teach on biblical principles and helpful tips on raising children in the Lord. As the Bible says in Proverbs 22, verse 6, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Our desire as as parents is to raise our children in a way that pleases the Lord and honors Him above all else. Prayerfully, this podcast will be a help to you as you listen in. Just very quickly, I said last week that when we discipline children, uh, we should always discipline with a, with a plan. Uh, we should know what we're trying to accomplish, and we should do our best to try to accomplish, uh, again, uh, exactly uh, uh, that. We should try to, again, deal with their heart. We ought to deal with their mind. We ought to deal with their understanding. Uh, we ought to deal with their will. We ought to deal, again, with their knowledge uh, of God. And so all these things are part of uh, disciplining and correcting children. And so, again, it's something that we need to touch all the bases about, if you will, and deal with why the child is disobedient for one reason or another. And so we need to follow a strategy. We need to devise a plan. Moms and dads sit together and say, this is how we're going to do it. That's so important. You can make some mistakes. And I've said this recently. You can make some mistakes. It's okay as long as you're consistent. Uh, children will learn from Sunday school teachers and grandparents and, and uh, again, bus captains and other people, uh, some of the things that you might have slipped on. But, again, uh, it's important that mom and dad work together. That's very important. Because if mom and dad contradict each other and undermine each other, uh, it's not going to go anywhere. So discipline is one of those subjects moms and dads need to agree on and uh, make a plan and say, this is how we're going to do it. Okay, okay, and that's how it stays. I'll say this in a few minutes. My wife and I kind of uh, sat down and, and made a plan of how to discipline our kids 30 years uh, ago. And uh, basically, we followed that plan for 30 years. And I'm sure I was wrong on some things. It's impossible for anybody to do anything 100% right. I'm not perfect. But I'll tell you one thing. We did the same old thing every year, all the time. And again, that, I think, brings security and consistency to the home. And so, again, we need to, as I said last week, we can very, very thorough in disciplining children. Actually, 14 points, if that's a lot, I thought you just discipline your kids. Well, it's, we're trying to accomplish something, like I said last week, in their heart. We're trying to really make sure that this is a lesson that they learn, and it's not just, they're not just behaving for 10 minutes until they forget the lesson. Uh, we want these children to learn that lesson so that they become productive citizens, productive uh, mothers and fathers one day, husbands and wives, and so forth. So I encourage you as parents, don't skim through discipline. I think that's one of the big mistakes we as parents do. I- I've heard parents say, i got to support my kids like three times a day or every day or all the time. You're doing something wrong. And maybe with what I'm saying here, you could pick up something that might help you because my personal opinion is if you're thorough and you really do things right, uh, it's not going to happen very often because it's a big ordeal. And it's very draining to discipline children. I understand that. But it ought to be draining for the child as well. And so, again, nobody ought to look forward to discipline. And so, again, uh, every member of the family, including the children, ought to say, well, I think I'll behave. It's worth it because I don't want to go through that process, that 14-point process. And so uh, that's the whole idea here. Nothing's more frustrating than being in a 24-hour uh, day power struggle with a child. And so, again, we don't need that. Amen? Everyone enjoys parenting that way. And if those are how your kids are, that's really your fault. Uh, really, maybe you need discipline. Uh, but the truth is this. If you discipline your children consistently in the right way, well, really, children, from my experience, are a pleasure. Now, they're, you know, me and my wife have a fight once in a while. Sometimes the kids do something wrong. But overall, 95% of the time, we work together and we enjoy our home. And that's the way it ought to be. Amen? And so as a parent, only have a few rules. I mentioned this briefly last week. Uh, 
And that's it. You know, don't come up with a million rules and frustrate your children. The Bible says we want not to provoke them to wrath. Uh, this here, you can see how old this is. You know, if you go to the antique store, you see stuff like this. Uh, and you come to my house and see stuff like this. My wife put this on the refrigerator 30 years ago. Now, the immediate question that begs to be answered, why is it still there? A process of elimination, it might be me. I don't know. This is a list that we made, seven things that deserve discipline. Number one, lying. Number two, cheating. Number three, stealing. Number four, talking back. Number five, direct disobedience. Number six, fist fighting. Or number seven, if an authority says a spanking is needing, needed. If our kids, uh, if their teacher said, listen, that child's misbehaving, or a police officer or whatever, again, or an authority of any kind, says, listen, that child's misbehaving, they're going to hear about it. We're not going to stand up for the kid. We're going to stand up for the authority. But this was the list that we had on our refrigerator, still there. <laughs> you can tell by the color of the paper. This used to be white. Uh, but uh, again, you can see we don't have a lot of rules. Now, direct disobedience, that's kind of a catch-all. You know, if you say to a child, do not do that right now, or do not, that's, that's direct disobedience if they do it anyway. We didn't have a lot of rules. So I could say, and I think my wife would agree, uh, this is what we lived and died by. We didn't discipline our children for stuff that wasn't on the, on, on the list. If they broke a window, we didn't discipline them. They may have to pay for it. But it's not on list. So this holds everybody accountable. We don't just do whatever we want as parents either. That's helpful, in my opinion. Because you've got to be fair. Police officers can't make up rules and say, well, I'm going to give you a ticket for something that you didn't know about. He has to go by the book. And so, but anyway, we need to confront and correct outside behavior, but we need to address the heart. And that's what I'm trying to say here uh, with this whole system or this whole uh, outline, if you will, of itself. The reason wrong behavior resurfaces over and over again is because you didn't get a hold of their heart. You did not get a hold of their understanding. That child doesn't that child doesn't agree with you. That child is not on the same page with you. They still think it's okay. Now I understand that children don't always have self-control, just like parents sometimes don't have self-control, but that's the whole point. We're trying to teach a children what's right, and that child ought to be on board with us not to do wrong. Amen? And so it's important for us to do things right. Otherwise, we're just going to be constantly disciplining in a faulty way, and it's just going to get frustrating to the child and to mom and dad. But I said last week, uh, this is the step-by-step -step process here. Number one, send the child to another room. Again, you decide what room it is. It could be the bedroom. It could be the bathroom, whatever it is. Uh, again, the whole idea is preparation. Now the process is starting. They know it. You know it. And once that process starts, you follow through. Allow the Holy Spirit time to work with them and with you. Again, if your child's saved, the Holy Spirit will convict them about what they did. Allow their conscience to work. Otherwise, again, everybody knows what's right and wrong. Sending them to their room or sending them to the bathroom or whatever the case is slows things down. Again, you're not disciplining in the heat of the moment. You're not disciplining impulsively or emotionally. Uh, again, you're going to follow procedure. And by doing that, you're showing the child this is the procedure, and this is how it happens every time without fail. The child will respect that. Again, they may not like it, but at least they know you're consistent. It allows time so that feelings simmer down. It, again, allows, again, remorse to set in. Uh, how many times have we done something wrong? And then we sit down and we think about it. We're like, ah, I shouldn't have done that. So that's what you're trying to do. The child, again, they come to themselves, being uh, by themselves, and, again, thinking of what, what happened. Discipline should always be private with dignity. Again, remember your child is a human being, there ought to be procedure, just like if you did something wrong, you wouldn't want the jury system or the judicial system just to treat you how they feel that day. There has to be procedure, and that's what you have to do as a parent as well. Never discipline children in front of people. Again, it's not their business. We're not trying to humiliate the child. 
Uh, we're trying to do what's right. Take them out of the situation. Take them home if you need to. You do whatever you have to do, but discipline in private. It ought to be a controlled time. It ought to be a controlled atmosphere. There ought to be no hostility, no anger. Again, disciplining is not for taking out frustration on a child. Again, we're trying to reach their heart, and we're trying to correct behavior that will destroy them if it's allowed to grow and grow in their hearts. And so again, teach them uh, by sending them to their room that sin always brings isolation. You know what I'm talking about. You, know, you probably have someone at work that either has a bad temper or likes to curse or likes to you know, manipulate. You know everybody stays away from them. And, and, and that's not really the illustration I used. I said that we want to try to imagine our mind, how does God deal with us? And God, when we sin as his children, what does he do? He again withdraws his presence from us. He still loves us. We're still his children. We're still, again, are saved, but he withdraws his presence, and we lose the joy of our salvation, as you know David said in Psalm 51. And so, again, that should be the most serious part that, again, the child really misses. Now I displease my mom and dad. I feel alone. I feel like I've done something that's caused them to have to uh, step away, as Adam and Eve would have felt after they sinned against God in the Garden of Eden. And so, again, as I said, the relationship is there, but the sweetness is not there. And so, again, you want to, again, picture that by separation. If we are going to reflect God's way of dealing with us, we must take time to do this. How long you do this is determined by the age and maturity of the child. Obviously, a two-year-old is different than a 14-year-old. Number two, number one, send the child to another one. Number two, pray. Pray and ask God to convict your child and to give you wisdom to handle the situation in a wise way. We don't want to overreact and we don't want to underreact. We want to handle a matter wisely. So pray, again, for them, for yourself, for your home, and while they, uh, again, are alone, they need to pray as well, uh, but you certainly have time to pray. And please understand that parenting is an extremely spiritual job. This is not something that we do in the flesh. As I mentioned last week, only God can change their heart, only God can convict them, only God can give them a desire to do right. And so again, just understand that this is a spiritual job, and carnal, uh, even carnal strategies will not work because this is the spiritual thing we're trying to accomplish. We're trying to raise a child uh, to be uh, godly, and we're trying to raise a child to follow God. And so again, uh, the whole idea is to, again, uh, get God involved in what you're doing. Uh, you can maybe... Uh, scare them, or you can, again, intimidate them, but that's not going to change the heart. Only God can change the heart. So pray and ask God to handle the situation together with you. Number three, these questions. Now, when you come in the door, uh, you sit down with them, calm, serious demeanor, you look them in the eye, and here's what you do. You start asking questions. You ask questions that lead them to a confession. And so don't go in there and say, you did this, you did that, and you shouldn't have done this. Okay, you're giving you're, uh, the wrong kind of spirit. When you go in there, you ask questions. As I'll say in a few minutes, that's what God did to Adam and Eve. That's what God did to, for example, Jonah. That's what God did many times. He had to ask questions to bring out of people what they were thinking and, in a sense, to lead them to confession on their own. And so if you go in and accuse your child, it now becomes uh, between you and them. If you go in and ask questions, many of the child will condemn themselves. The child, the child, as they verbalize things and think about things, they're like, oh, well, yeah, I was wrong on that. And so what happens is they judge themselves. And that is, again, what we want our children to be able to do. We want our children to learn how to discern sin in their own life. And by disciplining the right way, we're training them for the future. One, Like I said, one day they'll be adults. They'll be running a business or they'll be uh, a neighbor or whatever. It is, and they need to, to kind of sense when I did something wrong and then, again, correct it. So we're trying to build up that, that um, self-judgment, if you will, in their life. 
accusations just pushes them and makes them dig in. Questions lead them out of the, the that they're in and, again, try to get them in the open where they realize what they've done or what they should have done and how wrong it is. And so ask questions. What happened? Why did you say that? Why did you respond that way? Did you tell all the truth? Uh, what else could you have done? Uh, do, you, do you think that's something that, again, uh, will help our family grow or uh, your relationship with your brother uh, get better? Aim at their heart. Look at their conscience. Keep, keep getting them talking. I think it happens to all of us. Sometimes when we talk about something, we're like, oh, now it makes sense to me. It's almost like you have to talk, talk yourself through it. Whereas a parent, you have to, again, work with your child to help them talk through it and see what they've done. Again, you want to get a specific answer. They, want, they need to understand exactly why are we here. What did I do that now I have to be disciplined? They need to know exactly what they did wrong. Again, they can't say, why well, did something bad? Okay, what bad thing did you do? You need to be specific. They need to understand specifically what it is that is sin in their life or what it is that they uh, should have done. Okay, number four. Number four, and this is uh, continuing now. Number four, show them in the Bible and ask them, what does God say about this? Ask them in, uh, show them in the Bible and ask them, what does God uh, uh, say about this? Uh, in Ephesians chapter 6, uh, Brother Mike just read uh, a few minutes ago there. The Bible says there, children, obey your parents uh, uh, in the Lord. And so again, we have to understand that in the Lord means, okay, children, obey your parents as long as we're in the parameter of what God wants us to do. Uh, parents, you have to make sure that children understand what you're asking them to do is the same thing God wants them to do. We're wanting them to obey us in the Lord, in the context of the commandments of God. When a person sins, whether it's a child or adult, they sin against God. And so we need to help our children understand this. Again, this is a matter uh, of sin. And again, it's not just, why well, did something bad. No, you sinned against God. And this is what the Bible says. And so God is a part of this, and that's so important. Now, in the back there, I have a, uh, a list. And uh, you can take one of those, if you will, uh, if you want it, in the back. This is the little list here we used years ago. And it has Bible verses on it. And uh, there are Bible verses that you can show your children uh, about anger, about attitude, about cursing, about envy, about hatred, about uh, forgiveness, about laziness, about name-calling, about pride, about sharing, stealing, studying, uh, thrill-bearing, talking back. Uh, you know, some verses there to give you a little hint, help. This is on the Welcome Center back there. And so, again, it's just a, uh, a, a helpful thing for you to use. Uh, and, and so use Bible verses. Not, I'm not saying use 16 verses. If your child's small, one verse is good. But show them a verse. This is what God says. Again, you're te- what are you doing? You're teaching them that we use the Bible to guide our life. Amen? In 2 Timothy 3.16, the Bible says that Scripture is profitable. One of the things it's profitable for is correction. And so we want to use the Bible for correction. Help the child see where they broke God's rules. It's not just mommy's rules. It's not just daddy's rules. It's God's rules. And we don't have to go by God's rules. Daddy can't lie. Is it okay if daddy lies to you? No. Is it okay if you lie to your sister? Okay, so you're, you're reasoning with them. Do you want mommy to lie to you? No. Would God be happy if mommy lied to you? No. Does God uh, want you to lie to your friend? Is God happy when somebody lies to, to their neighbor or whatever the case may be? Again, use the Bible. Amen? Look in Proverbs 29, please. Proverbs chapter 29. Proverbs chapter 29, verse number 15. Proverbs chapter 29, verse number 15. The Bible says there, Proverbs chapter 29, verse number 15. 
Proverbs chapter 29, verse number 15. I can see the kids really slow turning to it. They don't really want to get there. But anyway, it is in the Bible, sorry. It says in verse 15 of chapter 29, the rod and reproof give wisdom. A child left to himself brings his mother to shame. So the rod is disciplining. We'll talk about that in a minute. Reproof means teaching. So they go together. So mom and dad incorporate not just the rod, but also reproof. Because the rod kind of humbles them and kind of lets them know it's a serious matter and there's consequences for their sin, reproof addresses their understanding. Again, I should not do this. That's something that, again, I need to do better on in the future. And it's teaching or explain, explaining what they did wrong and then explain to them how to do it right. So they go together. They must have, that, have both the rod and reproof. Okay, number five. Number five, after you show them in the Bible, then you ask them the question, did you do right or did you do wrong? Let the child decide. Amen? Look in Joshua chapter 7. All, all of this, I could probably give a lot more verses in the Bible or whatever, but I'm trying to make it uh, reasonable. In Joshua chapter 7, there's examples in the Bible that help us with these matters, and let them judge themselves. Again, I mentioned that a few minutes ago. Let the child judge their own actions. We're trying to teach them that. In Joshua chapter 7, verse 19, Joshua chapter 7, verse number 19, of course, you know the story of Achan there in Canaan. And in Joshua chapter 7, starting in verse 19, it says, And Joshua said unto Achan, My son, give, I pray thee, glory to the Lord God of Israel, and make confession unto him, and tell me now what thou hast done. Hide it not from me. When Achan answered Joshua and said, Notice this, and this is where we want to be. Indeed, I have what? Against thee who? Lord God of Israel, and thus and thus have I done. See, that's the whole beauty of it. Achan understood what he did. He understood, again, who he had sinned against. And if you keep reading it, like he says, when I saw among the spoils a goodly Babylonian garment and 200 shekels of silver, and a wedge of gold and 50 shekels of weight, and I covered them, them, and behold, they are hid in the earth in the midst of my tent and silver under it. They weren't allowed to do that. They were told uh, to destroy everything there as they went to Canaan, and so then, uh, help the child to judge themselves. That child needs to say, I was wrong. What I did was wrong. Again, they need to understand that. That's so important. And as a parent, you know your child. Make sure that they're sincere. We don't want them just saying it because they're knowing that's what they're supposed to say. But show them the truth. Compare the truth to what they did. And let them see the difference between God's truth and God's righteousness and what they did and how they handled the situation. And so, again, uh, you're uh, asking that question so that they answer it. What we all need to do before our lives as adults, we can learn as children. Look in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And remember, we're training our child. We're not training our child to stay a child. We're training our child to become an adult. Amen? In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 31. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse number 31. You all got it? 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 31. The Bible says, For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we're judged, we're chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. So chastening is a good thing. It's a much better thing if a child judges themselves. And you have to help them judge themselves. Otherwise, you become the judge and they become the convict. So I'd rather they convict themselves. Amen? Let the Bible judge what they're doing. For example, that's what I do when I go soul winning. I show people in Revelation 21.8 that all liars go to hell. Right? And it's true. There's no lying that goes to heaven. And so then I say to the person, don't accuse them. Don't call them a liar. I usually ask, ask them at some point, have you ever told a lie before? And they said, yeah. I said, where does the Bible say a liar would go when they, go to, when they die? 
Well, it says the lake of fire. I said, so according to the Bible, where would you go if you died? I'm not accusing you. I'm just asking you questions. I'm just letting the scripture do the work. Amen? D.L. Moody used to say that all the time. He says, listen, I don't stand in front of the Bible and defend the Bible. He said, the Bible's like a, a tiger in a cage. You don't need to stand in front of the tiger and defend the tiger. Just open the cage. The tiger can take care of himself. And so give people the Bible, give your child the Bible, and ask them questions about it, and let them accuse themselves. Listen, that's, that's, that's a wise per, uh, a parent that does that. Let the child discern, wow, I have sinned against God. God says, and what I did are two opposite things. The Bible tells us to be patient with all men and put others before themselves and, and love our enemies, and I didn't do that. So let them see the difference and let them judge themselves. Again, let God do the work. Number six, ask them, okay, so what should happen to you? Be sincere. You never raise your voice. I, never, I, I think I said that last, last time. When you discipline a child, you never raise your voice. There's no reason. There's no reason to be out of control. You've taken time. You've prayed. You've asked God to help you. God's shown you what verse to use. Again, that time in the beginning where you, where you pray, ask God to show you what, what verse to use. Uh, if the child's small, just one verse, maybe an older child, two verses. But you ought to have a stern, serious demeanor. You ought to look them in the eye. But again, you ask questions. So what should happen to you? They should want to be corrected. They should want consequences. One of the things my wife says all the time, kids want justice. Now, most of the time, they want the other kid to get justice. But it's in them. They want justice. And I think we all want justice. And what happens is you're putting them in a position where, well, they want justice. Okay, they did something wrong. Okay, now what should happen? They should realize what they need. They should admit that it would be right for them to get spanked. They should admit that. Look if you went to Luke chapter, I'm sorry, Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Very quickly, Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter, uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 6. Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 6. The Bible says, For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If you endure chastening, God dealeth with you as sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if he be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then you are bastards and not sons. For furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather in subjection, uh, be in subjection unto the Father's spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chasten us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening for the present seems to be joyous, but grievous, uh, but nevertheless afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them that are exercised thereby. So again, chastening ought to be a good thing, and teach that to your children. And children are humble. I'm talking about special, especially small children. They're sincere. They don't have all this pride and manipulation ideas you know, that adults have. Let them, let them have justice. Let them want justice. So send them to the room, number one. Number two, pray. Number three, ask questions that confirm uh, that they know what they did. Number four, show them in the Bible. Number five, ask them if they are right or wrong. Number six, next, um, I don't know why I'm off here. Oh, yeah, here you go. Number six, ask them now, what should happen to you? Ask them, what should happen to you? You want to spank me. All right, that's what you want. And that, that's, that's a properly trained child, and that's a child that you're working together with. A child should ask you to correct them. If you taught them and shown them in the Bible that chastening is a good thing, it'll help them to be a better boy or a better girl, it'll help them to be a better adult, this is what God does. Uh, when God loves somebody, he chastens them. And then so you want to ask them, number six, okay, uh, ask them what should happen to you. Number seven, ask them what should I do as your father or mother. Again, our children ought to see that we're just doing what God wants us to do. 
Okay, so you ask a child, so what should happen to you? Okay, you should spank me. Okay, what am I supposed to do? You need to spank me. And that's something that you want your child to agree with you on. Again, this is something that every, and, and, and if, if they don't give that right answer, you got to go back and start over and, and get this thing right. Because a child ought to be willing to be, uh, again, uh, corrected. Again, it's so important that we understand this. Now, probably you're thinking in your mind, uh, what if the child decides that, I don't think I should get a spanking for this. Children are smart. One day I came home from work and my wife said, one of our children did something wrong. I'm going to ask them, what should I do? They didn't agree that they should get a spanking. And it threw my wife because this was, this was a twist here. Wait a minute. Suppose it's, it's been consistent and all of a sudden they got it. You know what? I don't think I should get spanked. Well, when I got home, I heard about it. So they got one spanking for uh, making a bad decision on that. Well, number two, then we went back to what they did, and they got a second spanking. And I'm happy to uh, tell you that's the only time they ever tried that because it was a big process. And I still remember it took hours. It was, it was, it was raining as a parent. But that's what I'm saying. Take your time and do it right. Make sure we're on the same page here and we all work together. Right? And so, again, uh, have them say, okay, what should I do uh, as a parent? What should I do? And, and who should do it? Mommy and dad should spank me. Number eight, spank them. Now, there's a really good spot for spanking on a child. There's plenty of fat there, muscle there. You're not going to hurt them there, okay? And you all know what I'm talking about. That is the place that God put on a person uh, that really, you're not going to hurt them there. Okay, you, you, you don't hit them in the face. You don't hit them all over the place. Uh, never just use anything close by. Never just hit them anywhere. Never just, again, uh, discipline them, you know, as much as, as, as you just... Are, are upset or whatever the case is. Somebody said a pat on the back develops character as long as it's delivered low enough. And so, again, that's the idea. I would suggest uh, three swaths. Again, you know, it's, 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 you have to understand this whole thing uh, of spanking them really is the finale. You know, you've done all these other things. You've appealed to their spirit. You've appealed to their understanding. You've reasoned with them. You've agreed. They've agreed. They understand you have to do this. At this point, this is just the cherry on the pie. Does that make sense? Okay, this is, this is just a coup de gras, in, uh, if you will. So you don't really need to hurt them. What you need to do is just set the record straight. It's kind of like the whole thing comes together, and it's real hard for a kid to think that he's the boss of the house when he's laying across somebody's knees with somebody swatting him on the, on the backside. Okay, it kind of just sets, resets the attitude who's the boss in the house. Does that make sense? And that's what you're trying to do. And you're trying to just, again, reestablish, okay, uh, mommy and daddy uh, is mommy and daddy, and Junior has to obey. And that's, that's, that's the way it works. And so, again, uh, spank them. Now, look in Proverbs chapter 13. Proverbs chapter 13. And, again, this is just, again, how we did things. And I think it's very biblical. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 24. Proverbs chapter 13, verse number 24. I want you to notice the word God uses here. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 24, you all got it? It says, he that spareth the lot, rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him, chasteneth him betimes or consistently. Look in chapter 22 of Proverbs, chapter 22. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 15. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 15, the Bible says there, foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. So what is a rod? A rod is a stick, if you will, or, or, or something like a branch. It's really a very thin thing. This is, this is, this is quite sufficient here. Now, this is really, uh, uh, again, not uh, 
heavy duty at all, but this is what the Bible would call a rod. Now, people ask sometimes, why don't I use my hand? Okay, I don't use my hand because my hand is a good thing. If I go to touch my child, I never want them to associate my hand with something negative. My hands, whatever I do with my hands, or I've never caused them to like go like that. You, you with me? I remember one kid said one time, you know, my, my mom and dad, they have a paddle, and I hate that paddle. I, I don't want them to associate my hands uh, with, with discipline. This is the bad guy right here. Well, pull this guy out. This is, the, this, is the, this, this is the one that's causing the trouble right here. Does that make sense? And so, again, uh, this, is, this is how the Bible describes to do it. And, again, uh, with this, this stick here, uh, I can guarantee my dad used something a little bit thicker than this, and uh, he broke it on my backside a lot of times. And let me tell you what's more humbling than getting spanked. Sit here and wait. I have to go get another one. And finish the job. <laughs> so I'm like, we to church one time. Oh, no. But again, you're not going to hurt a child with a spanking them on the backside. This is not going to hurt them. It's not going to, you know, uh, if you're a chiropractor, this is not going to readjust their spine. This is just, just a little, just, oh, and again, three times, okay, you understand who's the boss? And, and, and that, that's the whole idea, amen? Someone said, spank them not like a child is a fly, but don't spank them like they're a horse either. Okay, so, you know, just, take, just, just a little, psh, 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 you know, kind of thing. And you're trying to break the will, not the spirit. And it, it, it's, it, it ought to be, just like I said, the finale uh, of what you're doing. Let me say this. Look in Proverbs chapter 19, verse 18. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 18. So you have to understand, children are children. Now, as adults, we can many times uh, reason with people. Uh, we can kind of understand things. And we make decisions based many times on that. With a child, a child's a child, so this little uh, one, two, three on their backside, they remember the lesson much better. Does that make sense? They kind of don't forget it. They're like, oh, I remember that. And so, again, understand that, that we're doing this on purpose because we're dealing with children. In Proverbs chapter 19, verse 18, the Bible says, Chasten thy son uh, while there is hope, and let not thy soul spare for his crying. So the child should cry. Okay, that's very important. Now, the child, in my opinion, the child should be crying the, the whole time. You know, the spanking is not what produces the, the, the crying. It's the, again, the conviction, it's the reasoning, it's the whole procedure that's just, again, ought to break their will. So maybe you have a child that, again, uh, doesn't cry. Well, you need to be careful. You're close to them. Because honestly, if you have a good relationship with that child, just sending that child to the room, and they know that they've disappointed you, that's, that's probably the worst part of this whole thing here. You with me? Reasoning with them and showing the Bible that it is wrong should be very, very humbling and convicting to them. Does that make sense? Uh, but again, they, they should, they should um, uh, cry, as the Bible says here, and understand what they did is wrong. An Arabic proverb says, make the child cry, or one day you will cry over them. And so again, we need to understand what children need us to be and do. Number nine, after you, you spank them, leave them by themselves again in their room to reflect about what happened. Again, let everything kind of sink in and, and, and they ought to feel the heaviness and they ought to, in a sense, think about what they did. Number 10, you go in a second time. And you're probably saying, Pastor, this takes a long time. They know. And it's draining and it's a lot of work. But that's my point. If you do it right, you really don't have to do it very often. Okay, number, number 10, you go in and now you assure them of your love. You sit down with them, you, your arm around them. You assure them, we hate sin, but we love each other. I love you. You hug them. You twist them. You have 
Uh, you have a finalization, again, uh, and they kind of have this feeling that there's no confusion, everything is okay. Number 11, teach them what to do in the future to avoid this from happening again. And it's very vital because sometimes a child doesn't want to do wrong, but they don't know how to do right. Like, what do you do when a bully comes up to you? What do you do when somebody asks you to cheat on a test? Do you when somebody's unkind to you? What do you want me to do, Dad? What do you want me to do, Mom? And this is a teachable moment here. The child's heart is probably very open. And so, again, uh, teach them how you want them to handle it next time. That's what we as good parents should do. Not to say, that was wrong. Okay, good. Teach me how to do it right next time. And so take the time to teach them how to handle whatever the situation was in a way that will please God and, and honor you. Number 12, pray with them. And, uh, of course, uh, you know, we, we ought to confess what we did together and, and, and ask God to forgive us. Again, keep, all of this is helpful for the child because one day they're going to use this as an adult. Pray with them and ask God uh, to forgive them. And we, of course, know that God is faithful to do that. Number 13, explain any restitution that may be necessary. Maybe they know, need to go uh, to their brother and apologize. Maybe they need to go uh, to the neighbor and, and tell them the truth. Or maybe they need to pay for something or whatever the case is. If there's any restitution that needs to be taken place, uh, make that decision at that point. And, and, and in the Bible, many times it teaches that we ought to make things right, not just, again, with our own hearts and God, uh, but also with the person that we've sinned against. Number 14, very important point. Go out of the room, act normal and never bring it up again. That's the way to do it. Again, I'm using God as my pattern. So God forgives us, amen? Once we come to him, we know what we did wrong. We, we say, Lord, I was wrong. I repent. I changed my mind about it. I'm not going to do that again. I see the sin. God chases us, okay? And after it's over, God says, okay, now it's under the blood. It's as far as the east from the west, we don't ever need to talk about this again. So do not, as a wise parent, ever bring it up again. Because remember, you do represent the Lord in your home. And if they see you bring up stuff, man, remember what you did two weeks ago? Remember what you did? You know, they'll think God does that. And so, again, it's very helpful, again, if we never bring it up again, let them know that sin, um, once it's dealt with, never needs to be dealt with again. So the process is send the child to the room. Number two, pray. Number three, ask questions, again, to lead them to, to confess what they did. Number four, show them in the Bible what's wrong. Uh, let me say number three, obviously, if you ask questions, the child didn't do something you thought they did, again, then, then you were wrong. And then you have to apologize. I thought you did something and say, okay, you didn't do it. So that's why we ask questions. Because there are times where we as parents, we think our kid did something, but when they tell you the whole story, they didn't even do it. There's somebody framing them, <laughs> their brother, uh, you know, <laughs> setting them up for the kill. Uh, and, and they're in their room laughing. So, again, ask questions. Don't run in there and just do, do what you think they did, uh, respond to what you think they did. But show them in the Bible. Number five, ask them if what they did is right or wrong. Number six, ask them what should happen to them for what they did. Number seven, ask them what should I do now. Number eight, spank them. Number nine, leave them to reflect. Number 10, assure them of your love. Number 11, teach them what they need to do in the future, uh, you know, to handle it well. Number 12, pray with them and for them. Number 13, explain any restitution that may need to be uh, done. And number 14, act like it never happened. And let's, 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 let's clean this later off. Let's start over and let's try again. Amen. Thank you again for listening to this episode. We pray this was a blessing to you as you seek to please the Lord and serve him. Only heaven knows the impact we have upon those that God has gifted us with. May God bless you.